Psalm 65. Praise awaits you, our God in Zion. To you our vows will be fulfilled. You who answer prayer, to all you people, to, sorry, to all you people uh, will come. When we were overwhelmed by sins, you forgave our transgressions. Blessed are those that you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. You answer us with awesome and righteous deeds, God our Saviour, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas, who formed the mountains by your power, having armed yourself with strength, who stilled the roaring of the seas, the roaring of the waves, and the turmoil of the nations, the whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders. Where morning dawns, where evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. You care for the land and water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain. For so you have a it. You drench, drench its furrows, level its ridges. You soften it with showers and bless its crops. You crown the year with your bounty and your carts overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the wilderness overflow. The hills are clothed with gladness. The meadows are covered with flocks and the valleys are mantled with grain. They shout for joy. Uh, I just want to share a few thoughts with you this Harvest Thanksgiving. Uh, Harvest Thanksgiving is a time for us to stop and to appreciate what God provides for us. Um, from, from the vastness of the entire universe, right down to a single grain of wheat that goes into a loaf of bread. In Psalm 8, uh, when King David considered the vastness of the sky above, he was amazed at how insignificant we seem in comparison. In Psalm 8, he said, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is mankind that you're mindful of us? human beings that you care for us. David, of course, didn't know scientifically, as we do today, just how incredibly vast the universe really is. And yet, um, he looked up, if you put the next slide on, oh, sorry, I should have asked that earlier, that's from Psalm 8. But David looked up and saw just what we do today. Um, he looked up and he felt that same sense of awe that we do um, as we see the sky above, or as we see perhaps the sunrise in the mornings, the stars in the night sky. And actually those astronomical wonders, which are too big for us to even really grasp, they are all part of how God provides the harvest each year. The earth exists within 
the narrow habitable zone in our solar system where the sun is just the right distance from us to support life while also allowing water to, to flow on the surface and an atmosphere and a weather system to survive. And further out from the solar system, our sun and its planets exist within a much bigger galaxy uh, that provides the energy and the ingredients for life as we know it, uh, know it. And that galaxy of ours in which we live, as vast as that is, it actually exists within a much bigger, much, much, much bigger universe whose forces and energies and elements have given rise to everything that we see. When we consider the heavens, the sun, moon, and stars that God has made, how incredible it is, as David said, that God cares so much for us, for you and for me, and all the intricate life forms on this beautiful dot of rock on which we live. I want to show you a very, well, very famous photo if you're into science and astronomy. This is a photo known as Pale Blue Dot. It was taken by the Voyager 1 spacecraft on the 14th of February, 1990. Voyager 1 was launched on the 5th of September, 1977. I know that because it was the day after I was born. <laughs> I'd like to think they just waited because they wanted me to be there. And so Voyager 1, when, uh, this was taken, this photo, uh, of planet Earth, you may not have even noticed planet Earth is there. Um, it was taken on the 14th of February 1990 when the Voyager 1 space, space probe was a, a, at a distance of around 6 billion kilometres away from Earth. That's about 3.7 billion miles. If you put on the next slide, Steve, it will help you spot where the Earth is. <laughs> speck there. And in fact, the next slide, um, more recently, NASA went back to the photo data and with modern photo um, technology, they can actually enhance it now. So you can see it much better. But that little speck of white was the Earth from six billion kilometers away. Just a our planet, just a speck in the vastness of space, a pale blue dot in an unimaginably vast, vast universe. So on Harvest Thanksgiving, we give thanks to God today for the vastness, the unimaginably vast universe that we actually rely on to live and to breathe and enjoy life. Every child that is born, every breath that we breathe, every drop of water that you drink, and every piece of food that you enjoy, all depends actually on the bigness of creation and therefore the even bigger bigness of God who made it all. But at harvest, on the other end of the scale, we also think about the minutest of God's provisions, the single tiny seed that is planted in the ground, each grain of pollen that collects on the bee, each grain of flour that goes into our bread, or even smaller, the individual hydrogen and oxygen atoms that make up a single droplet of water. Stephen has put a number up there for you. It is estimated there are, it's a five followed by 21 zeros. That's the amount of atoms on average, approximately, that there are in, a, in just a droplet of water. Five and 21 zeros. Those 
those things at the smallest scale amaze us as well, don't they? Um, and they too are things that we rely on to live. Those things, those most tiny of things, are also part of our harvest thanksgiving to God. But again, I think it also helps us to um, think deeper about our own lives and about God's attention to us, just like David said in that psalm. Jesus once told a parable about the kingdom of God. In other words, this, it was about how God works in us and in the world. And he said, Jesus said, it's like a tiny mustard seed, which seems so small. And yet it grows, he said, by God's grace. It grows into a tree that brings fruit to people's lives. And in which actually, he said, other creatures like the birds of the air can come and find their rest and their shade. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like that. You know, you don't, God doesn't need us to be the greatest and the biggest and the best and the strongest like the rat race does. God could start with the smallest of things, even the humblest of circumstances we find ourselves in, or in the places God can be there in the places where we feel actually most weak and vulnerable. But there God is with us to lead us on into his life and blessing, not just for ourselves, but like that mustard tree, we could become also a blessing to those around us. Another time, Jesus spoke about how anxious we often get. And he reminded us that God cares for each little sparrow in the world. And then he said he even knows every single slender hair on your head. Some of us a bit more slender than others, maybe. But God knows each and every hair. So, in other words, Jesus said, look, you can trust God with your life, whether that's your past or your present or indeed your future. And so I think at harvest time, when we pause to reflect on those smallest of blessings that God provides for us in the fruitfulness and life of the world, as well as the biggest of things he provides, all of it is encouraging us actually to trust God and his care for us personally. In every single way, Jesus said, you mean more to God than many sparrows. He cares for them too, of course, but he knows you and cares for you. And actually, that leads me just to what I want to say about Jesus himself, who is God, we're told, and who therefore Jesus demonstrates perfectly God's nature, God's actions, you know, what he does, and also God's generosity and love to us. In one sense, of course, thinking of scale again, in one sense, Jesus is the biggest thing of all, the greatest, most vast, overarching reality that could possibly be is Jesus. Hebrews chapter one in the Bible tells us in these last days, say, yeah, in these last days, God has spoken to us by his son, Jesus, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the whole universe. In a similar way, Colossians 1 says, Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. All things have been created through Jesus and for Jesus. Christ was before all things, and in him all things hold together or come together. And then John's gospel uh, begins with these 
incredible words about Jesus. In the beginning was Christ the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Through him, it says, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And in him was life, and that life is the light of all mankind. So that's the vastness of who Jesus is. He is the one from whom and through whom all things, all this universe was made, the vastness and the intricacy of it all. And yet John's gospel goes on to say, actually, that this very same one, Jesus, became human flesh. He became one of us in order to, John says, dwell among us. So the one who is bigger than all of it, who existed before all of it, and who made all of it, Jesus, that very same Jesus became human, became one of us. He was born into the smallness of a tiny baby with all the weakness and dependence and vulnerability that that brings. He did that so that he can become our brother in our humanity. And what that means is that God has entered into and experienced the life of his creation, not just in some abstract way, but actually in solidarity with us, in flesh, here, with us. And that's the miracle of Christmas, by the way. It tells us that the God of all things, the God of the galaxies and stars and the unimaginable expanse, has forever invested himself down here in our everyday lives and in our future as a human race. God stepped onto the pale blue dot that is the earth and even into our skin and into our hopes and fears so that he can take us somewhere. Because in fact, God's journey from that vastness into that smallness and weakness and vulnerability, it did not just stop in the manger at Christmas. It continued on to a cross where Jesus was crucified for us and died to save us. All our pain, all our sin, and all that shouldn't be in, in our lives was taken by this great God. He took it, Jesus, on his own shoulders at that cross, and it killed him. But Jesus took it so that he can set us free from it. So that we don't have to remain there, locked in it, you know, locked in our mistakes or guilt, locked in our regrets or locked in our fears. Jesus died for us and then he rose again to new life. He was triumph triumphant even over death itself so that we can accompany him through our struggles, through our failings, through our sins and out of them even through death, ultimately, into his forgiveness and his new life, into his hope, and one day even into his resurrection. So it's like Jesus Christ goes on this journey, if you can imagine it, from the vastness of it all to the weakness of a cross in a certain place and time in history for us, and then on to, into resurrection so that he kind of fills all of it He's there in all of it, from the greatest to the least. And being present in it all, he can turn all things around for us too. Ephesians 4 verse 10 
says this. He who descended came down here with us. He who descended is the same one who then ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill all things. And our faith in Jesus, what that simply means is trusting that he is present for us in all of it and will lead us onwards and will take care of all things for us. And it is a gift, just like we think about this food at harvest that is a gift given from God. Christ is that gift that is freely given to you, just like the sun and the rain. It's not something earned by us, by us being the biggest and the best or the most impressive or even the most religious. It's not about that. It is the free gift of God to you and to me. Christ is salvation. The light, do you remember what John said? The light and the life of all mankind. And faith means simply humbly, gladly receiving his light. So we began with Psalm 8, where David looked up. I'll put it back on a slide for you. David looked up. He said, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is mankind that you're mindful of us, human beings that you care for us? And yet he said, you've made us little lower than angels. And you've crowned us with glory and honor. Well, later on in the Bible, in Hebrews chapter 2, um, the Bible contemplates this great glory. And it contemplates the glory of Jesus, God's son, uh, who is higher than all things, through whom the universe came to be. But then Hebrews 2 contemplates the equally amazing fact that that the same Jesus who made all things emptied himself and became human, became a servant, one of us, so that he could save us. And Hebrews 2 quotes Psalm 8 again, but this time talking about Jesus. And it says, now we see Jesus, who was himself made little, who, who himself was made lower than the angels for a little while, but now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death for us, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone and bring many of us, sons and daughters, into his glory. For Jesus is not embarrassed to call us his brothers and sisters. And that's an, that's an incredible thing to be said of what God has done for us, that he came down here suffered death for us so that by his grace he can actually bring many of us as his like his children into his glory and he's not he's not embarrassed to say that we're his family that is an incredible thing when you think of all the mess in our lives and all the silly things we do but god will not give up on it jesus may have created the vastness of this universe but he does not despise the small and humble things and you don't have to impress him or outdo others. He loves you. Christ died and rose again to save you. And I think Harvest Thanksgiving really helps us regain our perspective and our gratitude and hopefully also our generosity towards one another as we give thanks to God for his generosity to all the world. And it also helps us remember 
that God is a God of infinite goodness and love, who walks alongside us on this pale blue dot, and he's glad to call us his own. And I hope that helps all of us to feel all the more thankful to God as we live our lives day by day.